Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 13 of the Elevate podcast. The podcast is out to document and elevate the human experience through conscious conversation. I'm your host, Hayden Humphrey, and I'm incredibly excited to be sharing with you my conversation with Devin Rosillo. Devin is an entrepreneur, a speech-language pathologist, and a career and mindset empowerment mentor for eager professionals. Before starting her own business, Devin found herself miserable in her mainstream job and thinking inside the box daily. When she hit her lowest point, she made a choice to blast past her barriers and create a limitless life and career. She now works to impact other speech-language pathologists to uplevel their careers and find fulfillment through mindset practices, goal-setting, and patient advocacy. Devin's mission is to facilitate outside-the-box thinking and creativity within our community and to cause a ripple effect across the world, challenging individuals to empower themselves and to lead with love. In this episode, Devin and I talk about the breaking point that had her jump into entrepreneurship, self-love and self-care, and creating opportunity in the face of fear and circumstances. As always, thanks so much for being here. It means a lot you've decided to spend your time with us, and I'm incredibly excited to share this episode with you. Devin, welcome to the show. Hey, Devin, thank you for having me. I'm very excited that you're here. How (laughs) has your week been? How was your weekend? Uh, my week has been interesting. It's been it's it's been an interesting one. Um, there's a lot going on right now, so there's a lot to be um, scared of, but there's also a lot to be proud of uh, and the, and grateful for. Uh, I think that we have a big community coming together in um, you know during kind of devastating times, and uh, people are starting to step up and grow together as a community. And that's something that we can be proud of um, and something that we can be grateful for. I think that a lot of people are coming into closer connection and developing more meaningful connections and and spending more time with their families and, um, you know, et cetera. So Mm. those are things that we can be grateful for. And I'm certainly grateful for them. I know that there's a lot going on right now, but it's better to live with gratitude, I think, than live in fear. And uh, there's definitely a tricky balance there. Totally. Um, but it's definitely worth entertaining both sides rather than just the one. Yeah, that mm-hmm. is that is absolutely accurate. Yeah, and I think the thing that I find too, like, you know, when you think long-term, like what's the long game here? Like what's there to practice in the face of current circumstances and mm-hmm. problems? And uh, I love that. Thanks for bringing that um, perspective of gratitude and looking at the silver lining and looking at what's to be appreciated. Cause I think it's really easy to get swept up in fear and panic and yeah. uh, there's just no, no need for it. So thanks for being on and thanks for bringing that and putting more of that out into the world. Cause I think it's so, so, so incredibly important. Um, so I gave folks a little bit of a background as far as who you are and what you're up to in the intro to this episode, but I would love to hear directly from you. What are you up to? Yes. Uh, I am in a really big transitional stage right now. Um, I left my kind of full-time career mainstream job about six months ago now um, and transitioned 
probably 80% of the way into the online space, uh, mentoring, online mentoring and coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, it's been really, really cool. So right now I'm innovating. I'm really creating a ton of different um, opportunities for myself and for my mentees and for uh, my community and uh, starting to work on, you know, new products for um, my community, but also just different ways that I can reach other people and, and really start to create that impact that I knew and well, that I know I'm really here for and start mm-hmm. to live my purpose uh, mm-hmm. because I didn't quite feel like I was fulfilling it before making this mm-hmm. transition. And so it's been really, really cool um, to see the kind of difference that uh, occurs in my life, but also like the ripple effect that I'm creating by now myself being fulfilled as well. Yeah, totally. Um, there's a ton of stuff that I want to talk to you about in terms of the transition and getting off the ground and everything that you're up to in the online space. Um, and I think the thing that's so interesting is starting with the basics, because I know a little bit about speech language pathology, and I find it incredibly interesting. And I'm like always looking to like learn more about that. So I'd be curious, like if you were describing speech language pathology to somebody who didn't know what it was like how would you describe it what's the impact and like what's the importance of of the work that you're up to yeah um so my answer is never short (laughs) um the only reason is because uh a lot of people have a uh, misperception that a speech pathologist really just treats stutters and and s's and r sounds um but we do quite a lot. We have a really broad um, scope of practice. And so I work with adults and pediatrics um, with a slew, a range of different deficits. So I can see people who have um, cognitive deficits following a a stroke, um, swallowing deficits, same thing following a stroke or with Alzheimer's, dementia, um, people with voice problems, um, like a harsh voice quality following Mm -hmm. some sort of disorder. and children who have language impairments, like um, they're not expressing themselves fully or they're not able to understand and receive all the information that they're hearing from their peers or their parents and pragmatics so social skills and the way we interact and communication. Yeah, nice. And like, where did the interest in that start for you? Yeah, so um, it started from me not knowing what on earth to do with my life in college. Been there, been there. <laughs> Super inspiring. <laughs> no, but um, I knew a two and a half year old boy when I was my in my junior year um, in college, and uh, I had already been through four majors mm. and was really kind of just floundering in what I wanted to do. And this this um, little boy who I knew had apraxia of speech, um, which is a motor speech disorder. And I really wanted to help him because I was pretty involved in his life. Um, and I really wanted to just figure out a way to help him. I didn't know anything about speech pathology. I didn't mm-hmm. know that it was even a thing mm-hmm. until I met him and learned that he had a speech therapist. Um, and so I took just an intro to speech pathology class uh, and I got really hooked and wrapped in and how the brain works and the anatomy and physiology behind that. Um, and so it was really, really cool because there was something I was really interested in and then also some way that I could really help make a difference. Yeah. Right. I love that. It's, um, 
totally been there in terms of trying to figure out like, what's the thing? How do I want to make an impact? Mm-hmm. And what I found is the, the, every time that I've looked at making a pivot or making a different career decision, it's always been in service of being able to impact other people. Like, how do I get closer to this experience of life and work where I'm more directly working with people and being able to impact people? Cause I think that's the thing that ultimately so many of us are, well, all of us are really here to do Uh, at the end of the day is just making an impact on people around us and being able to support and serve them. Um, And I think the, the thing that I get curious about too, with people who are in like helping professions and like service and support professions is like, what do you see as the overall impact of speech language pathology? Like what's the importance of it out in the world? Yes. Yeah. So we, um, as speech pathologists, we have the opportunity to really completely change someone's life, um, which is really cool. Uh, so we have, let's just take someone who has had um, a stroke and has lost a, a many swallowing um, abilities. I'm going to start again. Um, so we have an opportunity to really make a difference and really, really change someone's life. Um, so we're just going to take a, a, someone who has had a stroke as an example. Um Maybe they've lost some swallowing function and they're not able to enjoy food like they Mm. used to be able to. We would work with them and um, we would, you know, assess them and come up with a treatment plan to figure out how to actually rehabilitate what's going on with their swallowing function and hopefully um, be able to help them enjoy food again in the same capacity, hopefully in the same capacity that they were prior to their stroke. And that is huge because people have such an emotional and social commitment or attachment rather to food um, and drinking and eating and meals because it's a social activity. Right. Probably like more than half the time it's a social activity and it just brings us so much enjoyment and pleasure. So it's really cool to be able to, um, you know, work with someone who once had this ability, lost it and then give that back to them. Yeah. Through um, our influence and our clinical expertise. That's awesome. And I can imagine too, that it's like, you don't even really realize for a lot of people probably can't directly connect with that experience of losing something like the ability to enjoy food or swallowing correctly, or being able to articulate and communicate in the way that you want to Mm -hmm. and how impactful that, 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 that is like Mm -hmm. not being able to do that in the way that you have before. So yeah, I mean, you talk about like quality of life (laughs) and being able to like enjoy this experience that we're all here for. Like that's, that's really, really incredible. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So the it sounds like for you, you went through a couple majors, you ended up deciding on speech language pathology, and then you left and you started working for some other folks, which sounds like you had an experience, like there was a certain experience of that that wasn't what you were looking for. I'd be curious, you know, in terms of you starting your own thing and moving to being online, like where did the seed for that start? Like what were the events or the pivot points for you that um, like helped you to realize like, Hey, I think I actually want to do this thing on my own and work in the online space. Okay. So I got to not correct you, but like fix (laughs) information real quick. Um, so I actually, I'm still a speech pathologist, Mm -hmm. but I I have, um, a private practice and a mentoring business. Yep. So, okay. Um, and so I haven't fully left the field and I didn't, um, sorry, just the way you said it made it sound like I left the field and then worked with someone that I didn't like. Oh, sorry. I meant like, um, it sounded like you were working for another company or like somebody else's okay. practice and then left yeah. and then now you're working for yourself in essence. 
Yes. Yeah. So yeah. that's the, yeah. Sorry. I just misunderstood. No, you're good. Um, okay. So remind me the question. <laughs> yeah. So the thing that I'm, so the, the question is looking at the experience that you've had in deciding on a major, figuring out, Hey, here's this thing that I like going out and working for other people, which is totally common experience that a lot of people have. And then realizing, Hey, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I think I want to start my own thing and have my own practice work in the online space. Like what were the experiences or the points in your story where you realized like, Hey, I think I actually want to work for myself and, and start this thing on my own. Yes. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, so I knew just, I I knew as a child (laughs) or like a younger person, um, and had always been told as a younger person that I had, um, really the ability to lead and, um, to, kind of take my life by the horns, um, and really create what I wanted to create. Um, and so as an employee, uh, in speech and really in any other jobs I had ever worked, uh, I really felt limited. Mm. Uh, I felt like there was red tape kind of everywhere I went, um, mm. and that I couldn't innovate and I couldn't create, and I couldn't actually take control of my own life. Mm. Um, and because I couldn't take control of my own life and I couldn't be creative, I also couldn't impact people the way that I wanted to and the way right. that I felt that I had the capability of doing. Right. Um, and so that, uh, that realization, um, it took me, I guess, three years to realize fully, um, as a speech pathologist that, that I was feeling limited in that way. Um, and it took me another six months probably to realize that I just couldn't, I just couldn't live that way. Anymore. Um, I absolutely love our field. I think it's such a wonderful field, but I also know that I can make a bigger difference um, by working with speech pathology um, patients, clients on my own uh, because I don't have all the red tape and because I can create the way that I want to create and really um, help them create the way they want to create actually. Um, And then also on the, in the online space, I'm also working with speech pathologists who feel currently the way that I did when I was limited by all the red tape. Totally. So it's really, really cool because, um, like you said, I, I can't imagine what a, a patient with a swallowing disorder is going through. Um, and that can be hard to see and not understand at the same time. But mm. then I have my mentoring business and I understand exactly what they're going through because I've been there. Nice. Um, so, the mentoring, both, you know, both careers resonate with me, but the mentoring even more so because I can understand and experience, I can understand their experience because I've been there. Um, and I feel like I'm able to make more of an impact that way because it really, really does resonate with me and so familiar to me. Totally. It's uh, I say something very similar <laughs> when people are like, who do you work with? I'm like, I work with me three years ago. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I was in corporate and was like, what the hell am I doing? Uh, and supporting people and going out and doing that. Cause I think the cool part about what you're up to and, and what you've done is that it's, it takes courage. It requires a lot of courage to not only notice and recognize, Hey, this isn't working for me, but also to be willing to actually take action and go out on your own and start something completely by yourself. Cause so many people probably resonate with your story of like, Hey, you know, I was three years into this thing. I thought it was what I wanted. And I started to realize that it was really limiting 
in what I could actually experience on a day-to-day basis. I wasn't able to create in the way that I wanted to. I'm not able to be fulfilled in the way that I want to be fulfilled. And there's something else for me out there. But the big stopping point for folks is like letting the fear get in the way and and not like moving past that and and actually jumping. So um, that's just it's, it's really cool. And I just want to really acknowledge the amount of courage it takes to do that. Um, cause I think it's a rare thing. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And <clears throat> I will say that is very true. <laughs> um, my, just a really quick story. My husband actually, he wasn't able to work for 10 and a half months when we moved, we moved a year ago down to Texas from Connecticut and he wasn't able to work for 10 and a half months. And so that fear was always there. Um, because we're relying, you know, on my salary and we're relying just on the stability of my job. Mm. Um, and that fear was so, so there. And I realized that it was also probably the fear that was impacting my work too and impacting my fulfillment in the job because Mm. I was pressed closer and closer to it. Um, if that makes sense. And, and so it was probably a month after my husband had a full-time job again, that, um, I jump ship. <laughs> Time is up. Let's go. Let's get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> From being an employee, I, I left the employment type situation that I was in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was only because I had really come to my breaking point. Um, I uh, I had just become so upset and so challenged by the day to day that I found myself and I told you this briefly before but that I found myself crying in my car sobbing in my car which I don't do very often (laughs) I don't cry often so that was like big for me Um, and every time I thought about you know going back into my job I just couldn't I I couldn't fathom it um, because of the weight that was on me um, from you know day in and day out of being upset or disappointed or limited or restricted or, um, whatever you want to call it. And so finally that was like, that was totally my breaking point. I was like, I can't, I'm not, I'm not serving my purpose. I'm not living the way that I need to in the way that, um, I'm, you know, essentially called to in the world. And so I think a couple days later I gave my notice. Um, and it was, you know, it's been really great since then. It's been hard. Mm-hmm. having your own businesses and not having that, you know, paycheck every two weeks or, um, mm-hmm. and not having that stability, but it's been really, really cool. And I can tell you that my fulfillment has taken off significantly since that day. So <laughs> thanks for sharing that. It's, uh, the two things that came up for me when you were sharing was like, it's so interesting that with the way that things currently go, that, we could even be in a situation where we're like, I hate this thing or I dislike this thing so much. And yet I feel like I don't have a choice. I feel like I have to continue to go in. I feel like this is how it has to be. You're not supposed to like work. You're not supposed, it's not supposed to be that enjoyable. I can't, you know, I can't create this experience of work where I get to be myself and, you know, all these pieces. And I think it's such a tragedy uh, that so many people get caught up in that. And for a lot of people, weirdly, they, it's almost like people get stuck in this middle ground where it doesn't get quite as bad as it got for you, but it's also not great. It's also not like they're like, Hey, I'm, I love what I'm doing. So it's people get caught in the middle. Like there's not enough pain to push them into something else. And there's not a strong enough vision to, to pull them into, you know, a different experience of themselves. Um, and the second piece that 
you mentioned was like, you know, hey, there are parts of this that's been really hard. And yet at the same time, I'm so much happier. I'm so, you know, so much more mm-hmm. fulfilled. And that's absolutely been <laughs> the exact same experience that I've had where I'm like, hey, there are things that I'm still trying to figure out, like what the hell am I doing? But when I look at my level of happiness and fulfillment in my relationship with myself and my relationship with other people and my, you know, in the general amount of peace and contentment and satisfaction that I mm-hmm. experience on a day-to-day basis, there's nothing that would make me want to go back to how it was or like, you know, any, any, any version of that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That resonates with me a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, uh, there was just something that you just said in your first point that I wanted to comment on. Um, people getting wow. stuck. What? People getting stuck, not feeling like they can jump. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it'll come back to me and I'll jump in later. Cool. I I really liked what you said, but I can't remember specifically what it was that I wanted to add to Uh, so the interesting thing, and this is one of the things I've really enjoyed talking with people about, especially with folks who are in the beginning stages of starting a business and congratulations, by the way, six months ago, that's freaking awesome. Um, I'd be curious, like what have been the things that have surprised you most about starting a business and like, what have the, what have been the things that, um, like you feel like you've really taken away from the last six months? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really good question. So the biggest thing that has really, really shocked me is taking your passion and having to monetize it. Mm. Um, And uh, so that's been really, really challenging for me because I've been doing, I've essentially been mentoring for, for two, two and a half years through accountability calls with accountability partners. Um, uh, oftentimes, you know, I found myself in a position where kind of like I'm leading the call or I'm asking the, the thought provoking questions. And of course my partner is too, but it's a collaborative effort. Um, and I've always loved that. Um, and so that's something that, you know, I never monetized, I never charged for it because it was something that I just loved doing. And so as soon as I started doing this for, um, my job, my full-time job, it was so, so weird to me. It's like, how do I charge for something that I love and how do I feel good about that? Mm. Um, and then the other kind of piece of that is I found that a few times, um, I've kind of, it's really easy to lose your mission and your why Mm. when you also have to focus on making a living. (laughs) Um, like quite frankly, (laughs) Uh, it, because I, f- I find that like in the beginning of the, the business building stage, there's this divide and the two don't really meet. Like, it's like, follow my passion, make money. And they don't really meet. They kind of butt heads, um, probably because of, you know, the way that people are just programmed to live and think in, thinking inside the box. Um, mm. and I've been made to think inside the box my entire life from my environmental experiences, from my outside, um, influences. And so, yeah. So it was just a really, really strange shift. And I'm learning more and more that every like high or really every step that you start to take, there's a period where you need to recalibrate. Yep. Um, because there is this growth that you'll start to experience. And then there's also a resistance um, based on probably previous experiences in your life. And that's when recalibration is so important because that moment of resistance and that like dip yeah. The implementation dip, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Mm. Um, 
during that that low point is when so many people give up because they're yep. outside the, or inside the box thinkers because they've been um whatever um words programmed <laughs> conditioned programmed. conditioned there we go <laughs> yeah. because we've been conditioned that way um and it's at that dip where it's so so important to recalibrate and start restart essentially um and that part is really cool that learning experience it's so hard <laughs> when you're in that dip but it's also such an awesome learning experience that's where all the learning happens and where all the growth happens and it's so so cool because after every dip you come up higher than you were in yep. the beginning so. i'm like nodding vigorously not that anybody <laughs> can see it i just so agree with everything that you just shared uh to to one point that you made i totally agree that in the beginning of starting a business it's this question of like do i pursue this thing that I feel really passionate about that I'm excited about, or do I go after this thing that makes me money? And I think eventually the two start to coalesce and coincide as you start to step outside of that, out of the box uh, or inside the box thinking and conditioning. And it's so funny because, you know, I've had a ton of these conversations with, with different entrepreneurs and it's the same story. It's like the same, it's like the same number of steps that everyone goes through. And so much of, so much of it is just, is how long are you willing to stay in the game? How long are you willing to continue to get clear on what's not working for me? Where am I getting in my own way? And what's the support that I need to actually move through that? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's so much of the work that I do too with people is, actually reassessing and taking a look at what do you currently believe to be possible for yourself? Mm -hmm. What do you actually want to create for yourself? And who do you need to be in order to step out of that first box into the second one? And that conversation usually prompts a lot of fear and resistance mm -hmm. because people are afraid of changing. They're afraid of doing things differently and letting go of how they currently identify. And yeah. it's the place where you can have the most impact but it requires a commitment and it requires a willingness to stay in the game to figure out how to play it. Right. Yeah. And that, and that place of the most resistance is ultimately, or is generally, you know, where your, your biggest turning point can happen. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people turn back when they shouldn't be because they have a huge breakthrough coming. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, persisting. The thing that I've been talking about recently that, that I love to ask entrepreneurs about is around this um, concept or topic of well-being and taking care of yourself. Because what I find is, well, at least for myself, when I was in a corporate job, um, like taking care of myself felt like a chore. It was like, oh man, I have to go to the gym. Oh man, I have to eat better. Oh man. like Because I, I didn't really understand the full impact or what was possible through me taking care of my own well-being. And when I first left my full-time job, I moved into uh, a place where one of my roommates had been an entrepreneur for, you know, six years. And one thing that he shared with me is like, you know, when you become an entrepreneur, you basically start to turn into a superhero because you start to look at what are all the places where I'm not um, operating as effectively as I could be? And how do I start to actually practice, you know, taking better care of myself so that I can operate on a higher level? So I'd just be curious for you, like, what have you noticed in your relationship with your well-being, how you take care of yourself and that transition as you've, you know, become your own boss in a sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I actually, all of that, uh, what you're describing sounds a lot like personal, what I call personal development. Um, mm -hmm. and many others do, but, um, 
I kind of started that journey like two and a half, maybe three years ago. Um, started, you know, listening to educational and, and informative and thought provoking podcasts. Uh, that's literally where it started. My journey started with Simon Sinek, mm. um, who I absolutely love, obviously, because ultimately he changed my life. His yes. his thoughts and his provoking questions and all that that um, that really changed the way that I think and see the world. Um, mm. But so anyway, so I was embarking on this personal development journey as I was in my full-time jobs that weren't fulfilling me. And I found that I was a lot more fulfilled with my personal life than I was mm -hmm. with my professional life. But mm -hmm. it was still really, really hard to enjoy my professional life, even though my personal life was growing so much. Yeah. Um, and once I stepped out of, um, you know, the mainstream employee space, um, I noticed that I was a, becoming a lot more self-aware because in order to be a business owner, you have to be perceptive of other people and you have to be perceptive of yourself. When oh, yeah. you're, when you're facing resistance to a change or to growth, I personally, this is my belief. You have to recognize what's causing that resistance. Mm -hmm. And then you have to ask yourself the harder question. Okay. How can I change this? Yeah. How can I make this better? How can I get past this? How can I elevate my life at this point? Mm -hmm. Um, so that's been, yeah, that's been my experience. I think that uh, self-care and self-awareness and self-love have become easier um, because there's a lot more to love about myself also because I feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose and, and living yeah. my intention. Yep. Um, and so it actually, getting rid of that red tape and getting rid of those lim limitations and being the one who took those away from me yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually really made me value myself a lot more. I love that. The thing that just came up for me was almost like when you leave that kind of environment and you're building your own thing, there's less things to get distracted by or there's less noise to get distracted by. When you're in a corporate job, you know, you can you can play the game, you can climb the ladder, you can follow the routine, you can do whatever. And a lot of it, I think, ultimately ends up being a distraction from the work of getting to know yourself. And when that's no longer there, you're then forced to take a look at how am I what is it about how I'm showing up or how I'm viewing the world that's having it go this way? That's yeah. having me either generate results or not generate the results that, you know, that I want to create for myself. Mm -hmm. And I think so much of, even to the earlier point around conditioning, mm -hmm. so much of it is taking a look at like, what are the beliefs that I have? What are the behavioral patterns that I have that are currently getting in my way or not letting me move forward? Um, and this, one of the questions that I love asking people is like, when you look at your own growth and development as a professional as and, and as an entrepreneur, like what have been the biggest ways that you've gotten in your own way? And like, how have you actually shifted out of that to create something different? Mm -hmm. um, so the way how I've gotten in my own way is either defaulting to negative um, behaviors that I have, might have engaged in, in the past. So eating cookie dough on the couch <laughs> in sweatpants instead of working at my desk in sweatpants. <laughs> Those uh, types of behaviors and habits I'll, I'll see resurface when I notice some resistance coming, when I notice some big change coming. Um, and the way that I talk myself out of that and really start to move forwards from that is I literally just ask myself a question. Oftentimes the question is what's missing in my life right now? 
Mm. And I shape a daily, I shape a mantra around that. So whatever is um, missing from my life, maybe it's peace or clarity. Um, that was like the very first mantra that I ever developed. I say, I welcome this and this into my life. That starts kind of changing the uh, way that I'm thinking. And then I ask myself another question, like what, what is holding me back and what can I do to get past it? Mm. Um, and it's really forcing it, it is, it's forcing yourself to search kind of within yourself and do the inner work because without the inner work, I just don't know how any successful entrepreneur gets past the hard things. <laughs> I've, uh, I've said this on this podcast before, but I was talking with, um, a buddy of mine who's also an entrepreneur and he's talking about how in entrepreneurship and building a business, he's like, uh, you know, it's, it's part of it's about the strategy and how do you create clients and all that kind of stuff. But the more important thing is like, what happened to you when you were six? <laughs> and like, how is that, how is that now showing up in right. your business and how you relate to clients and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the piece that you mentioned that I don't want to step over was the idea of, at least how I heard it was the idea of holding everything as perfect like exactly how things are going right now, exactly how it's going for you, like exactly how the results show up, exactly what's happening in the world. If you hold it all as perfect and nothing is, you know, wrong or bad or whatever it is, you take all the interpretation out of it. What I find is it just opens up so much more space to just be with what is and then actually take powerful action moving forward. Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, I think there are, two things that we need to recognize um, is that not every situation is ever going or not any situation is ever going to be perfect and embracing the imperfections and then recognizing the imperfections that are able to grow is really mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's where kind of like my mantra comes from is I'll recognize or I'll identify things that aren't perfect in my world right now and see where yeah. they can grow and never ever do I expect a place of perfection yeah. But I always expect to be evolving. Yeah. Liz, I think the piece around imperfection yes. and loving imperfection, the thing that I really hear in that is like leaning into love mm -hmm. instead of the fear-based response, which is self-judgment, self-criticism, negative thinking. Um, and we've talked about it a couple of times and I've heard you mention it, but like when you talk about leading from a place of love, what does that mean to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think that Leading from a place of love really, um, to me, means that you are able to, a person is able to recognize what is to love in their life um, or in the lives of others, I guess, necessarily. Um, you could look at it that way, too. But to recognize what there is to be grateful for, to recognize the things that we are um, fortunate enough to have, the people who we're fortunate enough to have, the circumstances and the environment that we're fortunate enough to be in. Um, and take all that information, take all that, that recognition and help others see it as well. Mm -hmm. um, and, and really leading with love, I think, is um, being intentional in the behaviors and decisions that you make mm. and setting the stage for how, um, for how the rest of the world not necessarily should act, but should... Um, how you'd like the rest of the world to kind of see things through your lens. Yeah. If you have a great lens that's covered in love and gratitude and, and beautiful things, why not? Why would you not want other people to see it that way? Totally. Um, yeah. So, Go ahead. Sorry. 
Oh, I was just going to say, <laughs> I think that it's really, really cool to be able to, um, you know, walk a walk that helps other people see that that's a cool walk to walk. <laughs> mm, and a cool I love way to that. see the world. Well, it's cool because it's, you know, part of like the, the piece that I really love about that is it's rooted in love, which ultimately, you know, they, um, I don't know if you're familiar with conversations with God. It's a book. So it's a spiritual book, um, somewhat religious. I don't consider myself to be religious, but the message in it is, um, basically that there are two base emotions or two base choices. And one is fear and the other is love. Mm -hmm. And you always have the opportunity to choose where you want to come from. And I think especially now it's courageous to lead from love. Mm -hmm. It actually requires bravery and courage because it's not the norm and it goes in the face of how things typically are. So it requires a lot of courage. And I think it also requires a lot of leadership too. It requires a lot of, you know, setting the example and and walking the walk in addition to talking the talk. Um, And so I'd be curious for you, you know, as you think about the businesses that you're up to creating, the communities that you're a part of, like, how do you actually practice leading from love? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think, so this is something that's really, really new to me. Um, in a grander way, I think. So I've always kind of, as a younger person, been leading like school projects and arranging um, networking groups and things like that, like more of the small scale accomplishments or leadership type exercise or activities. But um, this is the first time I've really been in a place of people do see what I'm putting out in the world. Mm. Um, And it's my responsibility, I guess, to make sure that what I'm putting out in the world is um, positive and is impactful Mm -hmm. and is is empowering and powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think just making really, really intentional decisions is what I'm learning right now, like literally today. (laughs) Like two hours Um, ago before we started. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) just being really intentional with the things that you say, the actions you take, the um, responses to posts that you see on Facebook, like actually premeditating what you're going to say and what you're going to do is really, really important. And recognizing also um, where these things are coming from, where your actions are coming from. So that if you start to see another person struggle or, um, you know, engage in, the less desirable behaviors that maybe you used to, or you have the ability to engage in, I guess, um, Mm -hmm. you're able to uh, possibly pinpoint what might be causing that reaction Mm -hmm. from them as well. Mm -hmm. And once you pinpoint, or once you, you know, you can't necessarily always say what's going on in someone's head, but since you may have experienced it in the past, it might be easier to um, influence in a meaningful and impactful way. Totally when you recognize it in someone else. It's cool. It's to the, to the piece that you said around recognizing what other people might be going through and being able to share that with them. It's, I think that's, that's how I've always thought about wisdom. Like wisdom is just pattern recognition. It's just looking at like, Hey, what's typically going to happen. And once you're aware of it, you can then actually leverage that in your decision-making and you know what you're doing. Um, And I love the piece that you shared around intentionality and intention. I think it's so incredibly important. And the thing that, that I've found in in being intentional is the more intentional I am in the decisions that I'm making, even if it doesn't go the way that I want it to, I it's harder to regret a mm-hmm. failure that 
that was produced from an intentional action because I had some sort of reason or decision for making it and deciding that particular thing. Definitely. I was just, um, you heard a couple clicks. The um, reason you heard some clicks was because I was pulling up a quote that I, you just reminded me of. Um, So I have this book or it's a workbook called the designing your life workbook. It's Mm. by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. Mm. Um, And they have a quote in there that um, speaks to failure and what it meant to me, I can't remember the exact quote, but what I, what I kind of transformed the quote into was basically my perception of that quote that I read. And what I came up with was that failure is simply your rough draft. Mm. And I think that that is really, really powerful because that speaks to the people who, um, who can take this experience of failure and they turn it into something or they allow it to be something that is only just the, the blueprint. It's the foundation or it's the rough draft of uh, what's going to come um, and what can come, what that, what that failure can be transformed into. So really, ultimately, the way I look at failure is I, I actually don't really believe in failure. I don't, mm. I don't believe that anything is a failure unless you completely give up and stop in your tracks and decide not to do anything with the blessings that you have and the gifts that you have and the abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so what failure is simply your rough draft means to me is just taking that as a learning experience a, a mm-hmm. bl- or a bump in the road and moving forwards and upwards with that. Mm. It's um, it's cool because I think it also requires a like a certain amount of self-love, like the ability to give yourself compassion and grace and space, you know, when those things happen. And um you know, I think especially as entrepreneurs, it's really easy to get caught up in like, this isn't going the way that I want it to. And Mm -hmm. unconsciously, this has never happened to anyone else. And I'm weird. And why is this happening? And blah, 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 versus actually being in community with people and like Mm -hmm. being in connection with other people who have, um, you know, experienced similar things or gone through those same kinds of things. Um, and so, you know, I'd be curious for you, like, as you think about the community that you're building and the community that you're now surrounded with, like, how do you, how do you intentionally create and maintain those kinds of connections, whether it be folks that you're working with or people who have accomplished the things that you want to accomplish? Like, um, what's your approach to creating and maintaining those connections? Mm-hmm. So I think that, um, like you said, a connection is really meaningful connection is really important. Um, and I think that how I step into and how I acknowledge how meaningful connections is, is by, um, by really, uh, coming into or seeing a person for, you know, who they are. I can literally see a, um, a friend request on Facebook and before passing a judgment, I might say to myself, Um, every new connection is an opportunity, a mutual opportunity. And that could be an opportunity to improve your uh, mental headspace. Uh, It could be an opportunity just to create or to to make a new friend, Um, an opportunity that for maybe a job or um, to connect other people actually uh, Mm -hmm. and network more or whatever. Um, I really just view people as opportunities to each other because everyone has their own experiences and each experience, each of their experiences has given them some sort of wisdom, like you said before. 
Um, and the way that we experience life really shapes our, our reality and our perception. Um, and the way that we're able to, that two people are able to exchange their perceptions and collaborate is just really, really cool and really transformational. Um, so I think that going into, you know, when you see that friend request on Facebook, that's super random. Um, it doesn't seem to be coming out of from anywhere. Uh, it's cool to take that step back and be like, what opportunity could this create for both of yeah. us? Yeah. Well, I, I think that the thing that I hear in that is looking at those kinds of opportunities as relationship mm, in service of relationship instead of transactional. Yes. Like absolutely. even, you know, I think especially as an entrepreneur, like this is something that I got caught up in a lot was like reaching out to people because they looked cool and I wanted to work with them as a coach. Mm-hmm. And that never feels good on the other end of it. That happens to me all the time. People reach out to me and it's, it's very obviously transactional and uh-huh. you know, it's, that's not the, I'm realizing now I'm like, that's not the kind of energy, you know, that I want to put out, nor is it the way that I want to build my business. And now that I've really started to focus on just getting in relationship with people and just, and mm-hmm. just simply being like, Hey, like, I actually don't know if I'm going to be the right coach for you. I I don't know if I'm going to be able to support yes. you with my services, but at the very least, I want to be in relationship with you. I want to serve you wherever you're at, even if it's, you know, connecting you with someone else who can support right. you, but it's the focus on relationship instead of the focus on like a transaction or making a sale. Yeah, absolutely. Because that relationship ultimately that you develop is what's going to make an impact on someone. Mm. Really, I mean, we can sell our services all we want and that might cause an impact, but it's probably honestly without the relationship, not going to be as deep rooted as deep rooted of an impact as it could be yeah. if that meaningful connection wasn't there. Totally. Was there totally. rather. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up the relationship aspect because I completely agree. The relationship aspect is much more powerful than the transactional. Yeah. The, uh, when you think about the, the businesses that you're building, I'd be curious for you, like what's the vision for you over the course of the next couple of years? Like what are you actually looking to build? Mm-hmm. Oh man, that's such a great question because my vision is, and I think this is true for so many entrepreneurs is ever evolving. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. always shifting, always changing, um, and always like usually getting bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I picture my perfect day, and this is something that I have my uh, mentees do as well is I kind of, you know, just close my eyes and picture a perfect, perfect day. And that perfect day always looks like community all around me. Mm. Um, and smiles freaking everywhere. So my, my vision is really, really visual. Um, and everyone's smiling, everyone inter interacting and, and, um, exchanging in like whatever the beautiful growth oriented topic is that day. (laughs) (laughs) And I see us celebrating, Mm. um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a huge celebration in my mind is that as long as we're celebrating each other and celebrating our, ourselves and, and sharing connection and communication and like you said, relationship, I think that that's a really, really exciting picture for me and mm-hmm. is ultimately what I, you know, aspire to develop and what I aspire to live in that uh, celebratory community, essentially. I love um, that yeah. so much. Well, the yeah. cool part about community, you know, at least what I've found is, the larger the community and the more aligned they are with why they're all there, the easier it is to make an impact and the easier that it is to uh, like create change and create value that 
ripples out and and um like really positively serves people like the you know the more that i get clear on here's who i want in my community and here's the way that i want to serve them the easier it is for me to live in alignment on a day-to-day basis to feel fulfilled to go out and really powerfully serve people for other people to find me and to find the communities that i'm creating Um, but i also think that it takes a certain kind of person to be able to create community and to be able to create containers in that sense like it's it it is in and of itself a skill set to to be able to create the parameters of community and the space for people to be able to come and gather Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and I think that's something that is also a huge learning process for a lot of people um especially for me right now is I'm just learning how to create a sense of community and uh, um it's that also is kind of ever evolving. You just learn as you go pretty much I don't think there's one like great rule book that can teach you how to develop a community because that's not coming from a place of authenticity Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. and truly just being authentic with yourself and with the people surrounding you. I think that that's what starts to um, get people to recognize you and appreciate you for what you're doing. And ultimately that is serving. Uh, Totally. It requires, uh, I think leadership, yeah, leadership requires authenticity and requires that commitment to courage and vulnerability. Absolutely. Um, Because not everybody's willing to do it. Uh So thanks for doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Being out in the world. Um, I love that. So outside of the business results too, I'd be curious, like, what are you up to personally? Like what, um, what do you do for fun? Yeah. Um, So Business is life. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I get it though. I totally get it. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, I, uh, I actually, another life lesson, um, have recently been learning how to separate work and personal life uh, mm-hmm. because as an entrepreneur, you just like freaking dive right in yep. and it tends to consume a lot of your time. So more recently over the past few weeks, I've been taking a look at, um, what types of things did I do before business consumed my life? Um, and why is business consuming my life? Does it have to? Yeah. Yeah. And who actually, who and what really contribute to my life, not my business and my story and my being and, um, who I am and who I'm going to be. Cause it's not business that does all that for me. Yeah. Um, so I actually love to just straight up spend quality time with the people that I love, make new connection, new meaningful connections. Um, I love painting. Uh, I find it's very therapeutic for me and, uh, probably like the biggest self care and self love thing that I do for myself is, um, I journal every day or at least try to every day. Um, and it's part of my morning routine. Uh, and I think it's really, really powerful for me because it connects me to me. Uh, and something that I fully believe in is that it's hard to fully love someone else and give to someone else or anyone else unless you're loving yourself and giving to yourself first. I'm fist pumping. Over yeah, you are. <laughs> so accurate. You're so spot on. Yes. Oh my goodness. I love that so much. And the one of the things you mentioned earlier, and I had a thought and I, forgot it but it's this sense of like the more that you do the inner work the more that you start to realize there's nothing actually wrong with you (laughs) and that there's nothing wrong with anybody else it's like everyone's just their own flavor of weird and it's (laughs) awesome and amazing (laughs) yes definitely that's so funny (laughs) well i think you're i think you're right in in the the inner work definitely does start to 
I guess, ease your worries mm. in, a, in a way, or your, your like made up concerns really. Um, but also those interactive or those uh, collaborative relationships that you form can also help you to see that what you're going through is something a lot of other people have gone through and you're not weird for it or you're not like messed up for it. It's, it's so funny how many entrepreneurs I talk to, they're like, oh yeah, I've totally been there. Oh yeah. That was like me last week (laughs) or me a year ago. Oh yeah. You're totally fine. You're going to, you know, just keep persisting and you'll get past that. Uh uh It's just a consistently like evolving Mm. life, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and having those people in your community to support you yep. and to support back is really important. So incredibly important. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Cool. So to wrap up yes. what I like to end with first and foremost, where can people find you online? Yes. Um, so people might say I'm old for this, but I'm on Facebook all the time. <laughs> I literally was <laughs> That's why I do most of my business and, and personal uh, relationship developing is on Facebook. I've met so many of my great friends on Facebook and that's, uh, most of them have come from the summit of greatness, but I didn't actually meet them there. Mm -hmm. I ended up meeting them on Facebook through mutual friends and it's, you know, years afterwards, super cool. Um, so Facebook is kind of my hub. I love to connect there. Um, so I'm, I think it's just Devin Rosillo. Um, and that's R-O-S-C-I-L-L-O. <laughs> um, and then I'm also on Instagram. I don't really message on there. Uh, but that's um, Devin, nope, Instagram.com slash Empowering Speechy Mentor. Um, what else? You can find me on my website. You can always write me like a, an email on my website, which is EmpoweringSpeechy.com. Awesome. And I will put all that information in the show notes so cool. people can find you and connect with you. Um, the second to last piece is uh, a piece of wisdom for the folks listening to elevate themselves, their communities, and the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. Such a big question because there's so many things. No pressure. <laughs> um, I'm going to start with a piece of wisdom that I learned in the beginning of my personal development journey because um, it is something that really shifted life for me. Um, Simon Sinek uh, has a a saying that he is a student of life. And I so believe that everyone's a student of life. Everyone has the opportunity to continue to learn and grow every single day and constantly better themselves. Mm -hmm. So seeing yourself as a student of life will only make you better. Seeing yourself as someone who knows everything and an expert in everything or an expert in one thing might necessarily not let you grow actually because you're not opening your mind and your heart and whatever to the opportunity of growth. So see yourself as a student of life and really embrace that because you're not perfect. You're never going to be perfect, but you're going to continue learning and growing and own it. (laughs) Thanks for that. Um, And the way that I like to wrap up these shows is with acknowledgements. So Devin, are you open to me acknowledging you? Yes, please. That would be great. Amazing. (laughs) Cool. So um, first and foremost, Devin, I really just want to acknowledge you for being so heart centric. Like I, it just radiates from you and I can tell is just so infused in such a core part of everything that you do. And I think it's so incredibly important because that's really what everyone is looking for ultimately, right? (laughs) Is love being loved. Um, spreading love, 
creating more love, enjoying more love. So thanks for showing that it can work, like creating a heart-centric business and a heart-led business can work um, and just kicking ass at that. Thanks for your commitment to growth. It's super clear in every time that we've connected, you're an incredibly self-aware person. And it's, it's obvious that you're looking to continue to do that work and continue to support other people in doing that work. Um, and it's not easy. Like it's, there's stuff that comes up that's scary and um, not necessarily the most comfortable. So thanks for choosing to choose in service of your commitments, like what you actually want to create for yourself and everybody that you're mentoring and serving um, and getting past those dips, like reinventing yourself when you need to um, so you can continue to take it to the next level. Um, thanks for being such a leader in your life, in your communities um, and doing it with a like a really cool mixture of grace and presence and like levity and whimsy. Like you just have like a very energetic and magnetic aura that I'm sure is incredibly <laughs> um, powerful in the communities that you're building, supporting people and getting what they want. Um, and the last piece that, that I want to acknowledge you for, and we've touched on it a couple of times, but like, thanks for being in a, a community builder. Um, and I wrote down shepherd, like, thanks for um, like, creating the container and creating the space for people to be able to come together and get the things that they want out of their lives and out of their businesses. Um, thanks for serving you from three years ago, uh, supporting the woman who's crying in her car or having, you know, not wanting to go into work and looking at, um, how she can actually create an experience of life that works for her and that allows her to be her most fully authentic and expressed self. Um, so thanks for walking the walk. Thanks for talking the talk. Um, thanks for being a total badass. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Hayden. I really, really appreciate that. I, I literally put my hand to my heart a few times. <laughs> that was really, really nice to hear. And uh, I also want to acknowledge you just for, you know, having me on the show. I really appreciate that in general, but for having this platform um, for people to share their stories and for, consumers or people who are listening to um, resonate with the people who are sharing their stories. Uh, I think that storytelling and sharing just pieces over your heart is really important and you're providing the segue for that. And that's really, really cool and really meaningful. So thanks. Thank you for that. Thank you for thanks, just being great. <laughs> thank you. Yes. Really, I gotcha. Cool. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this show and want to stay up to date on new episodes or other special offers, I'd invite you to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And if there's ever anything I can do to support you, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. See you next time.